Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, we're going to have a fun morning. Y'all ready? So I want to pray first before we jump in. And my title this morning is where is the glory? So can we pray? So Father, we just come before you today as a people who are hungry for you, a people who want to walk with you and talk with you and live in relationship. Father, as we've been going through this series, The All of God, would you help us to bring reverence into those areas of our lives that we need to honor you. Lord, would we learn from the lessons today of those who missed that? Father, would you correct us? Your word exhorts us and it gives us life, but it also challenges us and corrects us. And so, Father, we just say we're open to whatever you want to do this morning. And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, we've been in this series of the all of God, and, uh, you know, we also call that the fear of the Lord, so you'll kind of hear us interchangeably using that. And this is not where we're scared of God, that I'm afraid that God has a lightning bolt or a whip and he's out to get me. That's not the fear of the Lord that I'm talking about. But what, we're, what I am talking about is the awe and the reverence of who God is. And I'm watching, and R.C. and I, obviously we talk, we're married, and um, some of y'all don't talk even though you're married, but um, we do talk. And uh, we were having a discussion, and we're part of some cohorts and uh, leadership groups, and it's just been funny to hear different pastors from different denominations, different backgrounds, and they're like, man, we just got done with a series on the fear of the Lord, we're in the series on the fear of the Lord, or we're getting ready to start that at the beginning of the year. And I think that God is trying to get our attention if we have ears to hear. But I believe God is trying to get our attention. And we believe here at Real Life, our mission is we are going to be people who exist to be and to make disciples of Jesus who are known by love. So love is our platform that we build on. But we want to build on the biblical platform of love, right? So... As I, before I jump into our story, you know, there's two ditches we can kind of get stuck in. Anybody ever been stuck in a ditch? I remember I was, uh, one summer, I had, it was a year I had got laid off from a call center and it closed and so I was taking the summer off and I decided to run RC's landscape business for him. And I don't, was it a skag? X mark. And so here I am. Um, I had his truck and trailer. I mean, I went out, I, we'd, I, we had some big yards. And so I had this one guy's house and he had this stupid ditch. Now, it was massive. And I always, you know, I would help RC. So I would see him like kind of ride along because this was a stand up mower. So I'm riding on the back of like the Valky. And uh, yeah, see, I, I still got it. I know. Mm. Um, but I was riding on the back of the balcony, and I would watch him, and he would kind of get down and do the ditch, and I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> no, I couldn't. Um, the very expensive lawnmower is sitting in the ditch, 
and I mean rocks at the bottom it is like the blades are <laughs> and I'm like I'm now crying and um, I'm like what am I gonna do I can't lift this it's thousands of pounds you know what I mean and I'm like I cannot call him I don't even know if self we had cell phones at this point but I'm like what am I gonna do and luckily a guy drove by he's like well I, I kind of seen you uh, kind of over at that ditch area and he was like you need some help getting it out and I'm like yes and so we got it up enough where we could pull it up. But sometimes we can get stuck in a ditch, and it's not fun. And sometimes those ditches that we can get stuck in when we talk about these things is, one, we can get stuck in the ditch of legalism. We can get stuck where we think we have to earn our way to God, that we have to earn our salvation. And can I tell you, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough. There, I mean, we cannot do it on our own. It is by the gift and the grace of God. And that is so none of us can boast in our own works. So he took care of that for us. But the other ditch that we can get stuck in if we're not careful is the ditch of lawlessness. Where we think, man, God knows. He knows I'm struggling. He, he's okay. God, you know, he, he winking at me like, girl, I'll see you working. We can get stuck in the ditch of lawlessness, but can I tell you really what's at the heart of that is pride and rebellion. That's the heart of it. Y'all know that I just talk plain, right? Okay. And if we're not careful, we, let me say this, God is perfect love. He is perfect theology. He is perfect love. We as humans are imperfect and we see through our own life experiences and ours, and sometimes we can pervert what that love means or looks like, but God's love is perfect. And so we have to be careful that we're just not sitting back and God's like, oh, just go do what you want. I'm going to bless you because we're going to find out that he brings correction. And so I want us to look at a very sobering story this morning. And um, I want to read this verse here. This is our verse. It's 1 Samuel 4.21. She named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. Now, remember, the glory is the presence of the Lord. It's also a weight. It, it, it's his presence. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. The glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. And some of us are wondering why maybe we're not hearing God speak. We're wondering why we don't feel the weight, maybe, or the presence of God. Is it because we're not honoring him? Is it because we're not reverencing him? This is not a shout me down message, I know. But just wave at me every once in a while. Let me know that you're going to be out there with me and not hanging me to drive. No, it's all right. So there's a story, and we're going to look at the main character. And his story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and it also goes through 3 and 4. Now, for the sake of time, I can't read all these scriptures. So I'm going to show you some of, I wish I could say were his highlights, but they're actually his lowlights. And this is the story of Eli. And when I was reading through this, even when we started the fear of the Lord, the story came to me. And so I've been just kind of sitting on it, waiting, you know, for the right moment. And I really felt like God says, this time. 
The story of Eli is one of the saddest stories to me. Eli is, I'm going to try not to butcher the guy's name, was a descendant of Ithamar, the youngest son of Aaron. So this is from Moses and Aaron. Aaron was set up to be the priest, and his whole lineage would be from the priesthood. So Eli is part of this lineage. He's been part of this blessing, and he is a high priest, and he has two sons whose names are Hophni and Phinehas, and I hope that I said those correctly in the right way. Now, Eli actually is a high priest, but he also becomes a judge of Israel, and he rules for 40 years. But he doesn't become a judge till about, scholars believe, maybe about 5860. So for all of you who are in Thrive and Legacy, unretire. God still got stuff for you to do. This guy was leading up until he was 98 years old. So I don't want any excuses why you can't lead and serve, amen? So that was just a little side note. That one was free for y'all. But Eli was this high priest, and he had the two sons. And we're going to pick up an Eli story in chapter 2, verse 12. And I think they may have this on the slides. It says in verse 12, Eli's own sons were nothing but trouble. They did not know God and could not have cared less about the customs of the priest among the people. So just to set the stage, we have Eli, who is this high priest. He has two sons that are actually serving in the temple, okay? So if we put it in today's context, if we look at it in today's culture, he's, he's a pastor. He is leading the people. His sons are serving in ministry. They are coming to church every Sunday. And some of us, we've been coming to church every Sunday, We've been serving, we on teams, I'm not even going to call teams out, but we, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. And God, this is so sad, guys. He says that they actually, let me give you a little background. The sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they would come in because back in this day, they would do offerings. And so they would bring their meat and they would burn it before the Lord and the temple servants would come and then they would, once the offering went to the Lord, whatever is left, they would take out for the priest portion. Because God told the priesthood, I will be your portion, okay? But this is not what Hophni and Phinehas did. They would actually go and while the people were making the offerings, they said, give it to me. I don't care what was for God, I want it. It's mine. And if they had to, and the people would be like, no, please, let us do what we need to do. Thank you, Joey. He's giving me hand claps. But even when the, priest, when the people would say no, like, don't do this, this isn't right, they would come if they had to and take it by force. And I actually wonder how many things that we take back from God that he says, that, that, that's mine. Would you give me that? Would you give me this? And we're like, no, this is mine. This is my piece. I think I'll, I'll keep this for me. And, oh, my God, this is so, I'm telling you, this is such a sad, sobering story. And not only were they taking that and extorting from the people of God, they were actually immoral. What they were doing was seducing the women and sleeping with the women who would come to serve in the temple. And this is going on in the house of God, and we wonder why there's no glory we wonder why there's no weight as believers. They begin to allow complacency to come into where the presence of God, when they're giving the offerings, this is going before the presence of God, and they're saying, no, 
I'm going to take it back. And there's a man who comes to Eli and he begins to decree prophetically to him. And this is in verse 29. I think they have this for you. And this is God speaking to Eli. Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? What is it in our lives? And I have the finger pointing at myself. What is it in our lives that we are honoring more than we are honoring God? And it says, and for you, listen to this, for you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. And this word goes on, it is harsh. It goes on to say, when Eli is getting this word, he says, the man of God says, listen, because you will not handle this, I am actually going to kill both of your sons on the same day. And all the rest of your lineage, they're going to die short. They're going to die at young age. And the ones who actually do survive, they're going to be begging for bread. Eli goes and he does rebuke his sons. Again, these are not teenagers. These are not young kids growing up. These are men. Eli rebukes his sons, but he never removes them. He never takes them out of action. You will actually see, go back to that verse. It says that you and your sons are getting fat off of what's supposed to be mine. We actually see that Eli is partaking in that because he won't, he, there is no fear and there is no reverence of who God is. And if you start to go through the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says that there is no widespread, um, there is, the word of the Lord is rare, and there is no widespread revelation. And sometimes we wonder, why am I not hearing God? Why is he not speaking to me? Let me offer up here just for a second. Because there are seasons we go through that are wildernesses, Right? There there's seasons where God is silent sometimes. And it's not because we've done anything wrong. Maybe he's trying to grow us or teach us. So everybody understand that? Because I don't want us to jump from one extreme to the other. But there is also the flip side of the coin. That maybe God's quiet because we're not reverencing him. We have no honor for what he's told us. You have people who are leading and serving why would God speak when they're not taking anything to heart and they're just living for themselves and for what they can get? And I think this is interesting for those of you who may know the story. There's a young boy named Samuel who kind of interjects in the story here. And he is actually a miracle child. And Eli actually prophesied it years ago that Samuel's mom, Hannah, who couldn't have kids, would have a kid. Because she had a kid, she was thankful. So there's your Thanksgiving message, be thankful. Just get it in there. Um, but she was thankful, and she says, I'm going to give him back to the Lord. So he actually ends up in the house of Eli. And he is serving, and I love this here. It says, so Samuel is being raised by Eli. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord. He ministered, he served the Lord. 
and Eli before Eli. And it said, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, for there was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Are some of our eyes gone dim? Are some of us just kind of lying down and our eyes are growing dim? We're not hearing the voice of the Lord. And it says in verse 3, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, this is where the presence of God was, Samuel was actually laying down next to it. I wonder, God always has a remnant. I wonder if there's any Samuels that will stay before the presence of the Lord. And I find this interesting. It says, I'm like, Lord, are there areas of our lives where our eyes are growing dim, we're not listening to you, we're not honoring you, and then you have Samuel who is listening. Well, we have a heart to serve you. And this is the thing, you know, when I was thinking through this story, I thought, God, this is really harsh. How many of you guys are saying, man, this is like really harsh? And God said, whoa, 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 back up and reread the story again. The word that he was given happened, this prophetic decree of God taking this lineage away due to his disobedience. He says, I have given him years. There has been years. And God said, never once do we see that he has repented. Never once do we see where he says, God, I have broken your heart and I repent and I turn from these ways, whatever the consequences is, but God changed my heart, like search me. We see David's sin, right? And what does David say? God, search me, know my ways, correct me. We don't see where there, there's no fear of God. And then we're wondering why people are leaving the church at a mass exodus because there is no weight that we're supposed to carry, but it comes when we walk in the all of who he is. When, when he tells me, and guys, oh, I'm going to jump in ahead. So let's go back over here to the story really quickly. So Eli now, Samuel is grown. He's been now, if you read in chapter, starts at the end of three, going into verse uh, chapter four. Eli is now um, like very old, like in his 90s. Samuel has been the established prophet. His words are going forth. Everybody knows that he is the prophet. And Israel is actually at war with the Philistines. And so they go to battle and they actually get their butts kicked. They lose about 4,000 men that day. And so Israel comes back and they said, man, what happened? What's going on? And they get all the uh, Israel leaders together and they said, oh, we should go get the presence of God. Let's go get the ark of God down in Shiloh. And if we get it, this is what they say. 
They said, if we carried into battle with this, it will save us from our enemies. But when they went to get the ark, guess who was there with it? Hophni and Phinehas. And sometimes we just want God to come in and save us. But we're not walking in any kind of relationship. We're not walking with him. We're not revering him. And we just got God to come up and fix our situation. But I love that God, God wants a relationship with us. And he will raise up a Samuel that he can speak to, okay? It's his mercy. But can we learn from Eli's lesson here today? So they decide, they go and they get the Ark of the Covenant. And the Philistines are encamped and they hear this loud noise going on. And so they said, man, what's going on? They're like, they brought the Ark of the Covenant. The Philistines, the enemy had more reverential fear than Israel did. They said, do you know what's about to happen? This was the God who destroyed all of the Egyptians, who had all these plagues. They're like, we need to fight like our life depends on it. Do you guys know that as a church, we are in a battle right now? And the enemy says, we need to fight like... And we sometimes as believers are sitting back and we're just doing what we want to do. We're not walking in reverence. We're not walking in the fear of the Lord. And we're like, hey, let's just go get in the presence and uh, he'll go fight for us. There's a give and take. And so they go to battle. 30,000 Israelites die. They are slaughtered. They're running. Eli is sitting at the road waiting to hear what's going on because he was actually worried about the Ark of the Covenant, it says. And he's waiting to hear what happens. Both his sons are killed in battle that day and the Ark is captured and a messenger comes back and he tells Eli, he, Eli's like, what am I hearing? What's all this noise? And he was like, we are getting destroyed. And not only that, but your sons have died and the Ark of the Lord has been captured and taken. And the Bible says, That Eli was old and fat. And I've read this before, Philip, and I'm like, has God got something against fat people? You know, like, why did he call that out? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm on the chubby side. Is he over here, you know? But God said, Jenny, he was fat. He never repented. If we read from the first First um, Samuel 2, chapter 2, verse 29. He says, you and your sons have gotten fat off of the best of the people. And there was never repentance that was brought forth. But God gave him time. God is long-suffering. He is merciful. What would have happened if Eli would have repented? If you know the character of God, I think God would have forgiven him. And would have restored him. And you're like, huh? Abraham, he's going to go destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Or I think it was Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's interceding on the behalf. And he, God says, I'm going to destroy. He says, well, Abraham starts praying. He says, well, if there's 50 people, 40, 30, 20, and they're bartering down. And God says, for 10, I'll spare it. Moses, God is sick and tired and fed up with the people complaining and murmuring. And he's like, Moses, 
<clears throat> get out of the way. I'm about to take them all out. And Moses says, God, these are your people. Don't do it. And he begins to intercede over and over. Hezekiah, God says, decrees, right? I'm going to take your life. Hezekiah, before the prophet even has a chance to get out, God has spoken to him and will actually restore him back 15 years to his life. So I love that God doesn't leave us promiseless. He always makes a way of escape. But it's having to turn from our pride. So I want to ask us, I got four points. You guys are going to be out and eating early today. Are you guys excited? At the very end of the story, Eli, he was so fat. When he heard the news of his sons and the ark being captured, he fell backwards and broke his neck and died. His daughter-in-law is giving birth. She hears that her husband has died. Her father is now dead. I mean, it's just a bad day. She gives birth and doesn't even know that she has a boy, but names, his, names him Ichabod for the glory. Where is the glory? It has departed. And guys, I think that there is a wake-up call going to the church. The church and us. Man, there is the love of God, and you need, and we need to be saturated and grounded in the love of God. But there is the reverence of God. There is the weight of God. There is His holiness. So we're going to dive into four points really quickly. How do we know if we're practically living in the all of God? Number one is reverence. Are we honoring God with just our lips? Are we giving him our lives? We can look at the story of Eli. Eli gave a lot of lip service. I mean, he was at church. But his heart was far from him. Do we desire God's will to be done in our lives? Are we denying ourselves? Are we taking up our cross and are we following him? Secondly, we have to obey me. Don't go to the next slide. We have to obey immediately. Eli kept disregarding God's warning and correction. And because of his disobedience, guys, we have to understand this about our God. Our God is generational. Like he's personal, but he is generational. And because of Eli's disobedience and God gave him time to get it corrected and he wouldn't, he ended up having a whole legacy cut off. We need to understand that sometimes our sin and our disobedience is not just hurting us. It's hurting our legacy. It's hurting those that are coming after us. Second one is we have to release. Will we release our pride and our way of doing things? We talk about this word a lot here. Are we willing to surrender that which stands in the way of God? And you might say, well, what's God going to make me surrender? I don't know. But I can tell you this, that whatever he asks you to give up is always for your benefit. It is. And, it, and I am telling you, 1,000%, I know it is hard to let go. Like, I know, 
We probably, everybody in this room could probably say I've struggled with that. Letting go of anger, letting go of pride, letting go of ego, letting go of hurt, letting go of sins, what, whatever on that board. I was thinking about this. You know, what if God's asking you to give up that relationship you're in? And everybody, I was like, no. But what if he says, hey, I got a 10 for you over here. Or you can stay with the four. You can stay with the four and have four problems. Or you can trust me, let it go, let me work on you, work on who I have for you, and I'll give you a 10. I'm telling you, it's learning to trust him. Maybe God's wanting you to let go of anger or hurt from your past that keeps you bottled up that keeps you isolated from everybody. Maybe he wants you to let go of your ego or your ambition. Because when we do it in our own strength, oh, I am so learning this one. When we try to be self-reliant, guess who gets the glory? We don't give it to God, we give it to ourselves. Maybe it's your finances, and we're not taking up an offering, everybody breathe. Maybe it's fear that keeps you from loving other people. You know, it said that Eli honored his sons more than he honored God. Was he afraid that they weren't going to love him? Was he a people pleaser? Did he have rejection? I mean, I don't know what his root issue was. But for some of us, we'll let fear hold us back. Third, here um, is obeying when it doesn't make sense. Guys, how many of you like the plan? All right. The rest of you are lying because I talked to you. I know. Man, we don't rely on our own logic. When we do that, I actually had to humble myself many times because we can learn from people's mistakes, Right? That's wisdom when Mark can come and say, hey, I've been down this road. I've done that. I'm telling you, you're going down a crazy road. And I could say, whatever. My parents did that. My kids are doing it now. I actually had to call my dad. I was in Bible college, and he came down. I said, I got to take you out to, to breakfast or lunch, whatever it was. And uh, I said, I am so sorry. Everything you told me not to do and to do, I didn't listen because I thought I knew better at the ripe age of 19 and 20. And I had to apologize. My in-laws who are probably watching, I've had to apologize numerous times when they would try to give me wisdom. I'm like, you don't know what you're doing, old school, throwback, you know. I'm like, well, this is today. Nope, I've had to come back and say, you were right and I was wrong. You have to obey even when it doesn't make sense. Obey when it's painful. Blech. I don't like that one at all. Hebrews 11, you can look this up, is the hall of faith. It's living by faith, right? And there were some who were um, saved from the mouth of the lions through the fire. You know, they, they seen dead people raise. There's beautiful things. And if you drop down to about verse 35, and then it says, well, some of them were actually sewn in half, walked in the wilderness, had no friends, 
Uh, what? I thought God was just here to bless me. There's times when you follow him that it's painful. There's times it doesn't make sense. All right, our third one, Neil, you can come on up. We're closing. Is repent. When we're not walking in the way of God, repent. I was thinking about this. You know, we can, we've talked about honor. We just celebrated Veterans Day. Um, You know, if we have ever been to a funeral where you take like that moment of silence and we honor somebody. And I kind of was wondering, I'm like, Lord, what's my level of honor for you? You ever think about that? Am I the only one? I may just be weird. But I was thinking, I'm like, okay, we're looking at Eli's life and I, I don't see where he honored you very much. And I don't want to be, I don't want to follow in that footsteps. God, like how much do I honor you? Do I honor you enough that when you're announced, I give you the standing ovation. Do I give you the moment of silence? Am I just giving you a few hours? I'll honor you. I'll honor you with a couple of hours of my, my week. Or do I honor you with so much in my life that when you speak, I hear that I want to be in relationship. Like, where are we honoring? And there you may actually have some areas that you're honoring God pretty good. You may struggle in what you watch. Gossiping. Some of us need to work with honoring him with our mouth. Maybe it's our giving. I don't know. But if we're not honoring him, guess what we get to do? This is not a bad cuss word. Repent! Can I say cuss word? Is that wrong? Maybe I shouldn't say that in church. Repent. Turning from our ways and saying, God, man, I've messed up. You said that your grace is there for me. Not to just wink at my sins, but God, I need your grace to walk this thing out. He says he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to walk with us. We all sin and we all fall short. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're like, whoa, this seems really hard. It's not. Because we all fall short. We receive the gift of salvation. I receive his love and his wholeness and his peace. God actually wants us to live in that. And lastly is run. Do what God has for you. Maybe that's about to be the best mom in the world. Maybe that's you coming to church. I don't know what that is for you. Pastor R.C. talked about this last week. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ as believers. And are we building our life on the temporal things, things that give us pleasure? Now, and God wants you. We hear this, and I, I don't want to put God in a wrong picture. 
Neil, God wants us to have a good life. He says, man, I come to give you life more abundantly. Like God's not into just trying to take things away and make you live in a horrible, miserable, miserable world, right? He wants us, we should have so much joy. We should be carrying the hope. We should be carrying the weight, the glory of who God is, his glory, his holiness, his beauty, his hope, his freedom. Like we should carry that weight. So do what God has for you. And I love this in Hebrews. Hebrews 12:1. it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it strip down and start running and never quit no extra spiritual fat no parasitic sins keep your eyes on jesus who both began and he will finish the race we're in study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, because we will, anybody ever flagged in your faith? Like you got weary, you got tired? Five of you, wow, the rest of you guys are awesome. He says, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that should shoot adrenaline into your souls. So this morning, I want us to pray. And I'm sorry, it was kind of a sobering message. But I believe God is wanting to crown us with his weight and his glory. He wants us to make an impact in the world. But we also are going to have to reverence him. And I don't know what that looks like for you. And I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never crossed the line of faith. Can I tell you? It is one of the most awesome adventures of my life. When I said yes to Jesus and no to Jenny, because I realized I couldn't be perfect enough. I couldn't have it all together. There's nothing I could do to earn it. I was a wreck of a human being on the inside. And when I said, God, I'm giving you everything. I don't even know if you want this but I surrender and will you teach me how to surrender? And that's the beautiful thing. He doesn't expect you to be like, Mike, all right, you said yes, now have it all together, buddy. Good luck. He says, guess what? I'm gonna be in relationship with you. I wanna help you, I wanna guide you because I want you to experience all that I purchased for you. That's our God. So if we could, maybe you're here, maybe there's people online listening and you've never said yes to Jesus. Can I tell you, it's the best decision you will ever, ever make. And I'm telling you, we're in a war 
Now, I don't, the devil is not God's equal. I say this all the time, but he's not. He has power for a limited time. And I feel like he's like the Philistines. We're gonna fight with everything in them. And I feel like sometimes as believers, we're like, all right, we're just sitting back. Man, I wanna see people find hope and find freedom and find God's life. That's my heart, that's my desire. It's something I've been crying out since I've been 15, God. Would you let people experience who you are? Can they experience the love of who you are? Can they find the hope, the joy, their strength? God, would you meet us with your weight that we can feel your presence? So maybe you're here this morning and you've never said yes. Can we pray for a moment? And I just want you to repeat after me. God, I give you my sins. I give you my shortcomings, my failures. I give you my life. And you said, if I believed what Jesus did on the cross, the sin, my sin, that he took it, he was nailed and beaten that it would be cast into the sea. Holy Spirit, would you come into my heart? Would you teach me and lead me into all truth? This isn't a formula, but if you meant that this morning, we're gonna have our prayer team come. I want them to pray with you. Listen, God wants you to walk in wholeness and freedom and forgiveness and out of shame, out of rejection, out of despair. And he'll teach you how to do that. So we're gonna have our prayer team come. If you said yes to Jesus, would you let them come and pray with you? That you know assuredly in your heart that God has done a work. And it's the beginning and he'll continue to do it for the rest of us can we take just a few seconds here and allow God to just kind of examine our hearts I talked about this Wednesday God would you search me would you know me if there's anything in anywhere areas or places in my life that I'm not giving you reverence or honor would you show it to me so I can repent? Can we just take a minute? And if he brings something up to you, repent for it, turn and go the other way and then begin to run and do what God has for you in this season. Can I pray for you? So Father, I thank you for this message. I know that it was hard and Lord, I tripped over it. But God, I want your weight. 
I want your glory. I believe you long to set your church back in its rightful place. God, there's a world that is hurt and longing and looking and they don't even know what they're looking for. God, can we have something of substance to give them? Lord, we bless your name today. We say yes to the awe and the holiness of God. We say yes to your love, yes to your identity, yes to the gifts that you have for us. We are so thankful, even as we're coming into this week of thanksgiving, God, give us a grateful heart and a thankful heart for all that you have done and are going to do. God, I ask that you bless your people. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Can we just stand? Give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. I want to thank you guys um, for giving 55 bags to the prisons. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, we partner with some other churches, and Tina hit me up and said, man, Real Life did 55 bags that are going into the prison. You guys have given for Operation Shoebox, and I don't even know how many boxes we did. I see loads. 50. So, man, I love that. Guys, thank you for having a generous heart. I believe we honor God well in that here. I really do. Give somebody a high five. If you need prayer, come on up for prayer. But give somebody a high five, a hug. And we love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. For more information to give or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom. Shalom.